welcome. How we doing? Happy summer. You guys excited for the summer? Okay, two or three of you are excited. That's great. Um, so we have some great stuff going on this summer. I'm Pastor Jake, the lead pastor here. If you're new or uh, this is your first time or whatever, welcome. Uh, it's my honor and privilege to unpack and study with you and for you the Word of God. You can grab your Bible, head over to First Peter like uh, Pastor Jesse said. Uh, but summers are great at Great Oaks uh, because... Uh, we have a lot going on for your family. Uh, it's, a, it's an awesome time to grow uh, closer to Christ. And so make sure that your family, you and your family are here uh, just about every week. Try to be here every single week during the summer uh, so that you can take advantage of that. One of the things that makes summers great here uh, is that it, it's been my habit to teach through a book of the Bible verse by verse uh, through the summer. And so uh, two summers ago, we did a series uh, I just called Small Fry. And we taught through verse by verse the four smallest books, shortest books uh, in the New Testament. So we looked at Jude, Philemon, third and I mean second and third John. Does anybody remember that? Were you there for that small fry? Okay. Then last week, what did we? I mean, last summer, what did we teach through? Do you remember? Colossians. Maybe I should teach it again. You guys want me to teach it again? So, so last summer was Colossians, 11 weeks straight through, verse by verse through Colossians. It was transformative. It was awesome. And so this summer, we're going to take a deep dive, do a deep dive into the book of 1 Peter. And so I've called this sermon series Set Apart. And we're going verse by verse through 1 Peter. And any time we open the scriptures like this and study it verse by verse, study a book of the Bible verse by verse, it is always transformative. It always transforms lives and makes us more like Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to be consistent in your attendance during this series. Uh, get yourself, your kids, get your kids into kids town, all that throughout the summer. Uh, don't be that half-hearted Christian that kind of looks up in, in August and goes, man, I don't think we were at summer more, I don't think we were at church more than like two or three times this summer. Don't be that person. It's always, as a pastor, I always look forward to summer, uh, but also there's a part of me that dreads it uh, because because by the end of summer, there's always families that, that, that I see kind of just fade off in the distance because they don't make Jesus a priority and gathering together with the saints a priority during the summer. And it's just hard to get back in. And, and it's always the same excuses, you know, busyness and everything else. And so don't have that approach this summer. Let's grow together. To, let's grow towards Christ, in Christ, together as a family in this series. So... 1 Peter 1, um, if you have a Bible, we'll, we'll get through the first two verses today. But really what I, what I want to do today is set the stage for our entire study, or better yet, uh, anchor it. I want to anchor our 11-week study in today's message. Uh, so I want to look back uh, here over these 11 weeks uh, as we go through this. So let's read those first two verses. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So this is written by the Peter, okay, Peter, who was, who was one of the 12 disciples, that Peter, later in chapter 5, he says he witnessed firsthand the sufferings of Christ. This is the, the Peter, okay, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that speaks to us. 
God, I ask that it would do that today, that no one in this room uh, would leave unchanged, uh, that we would all leave here different than we came in, that we would have an experience, interaction with your spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place and ask you, God, to reveal to us what needs to be revealed in your word. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said? Amen. All right. Have you ever felt like uh, you don't belong? Uh, ever found yourself in a place where you just didn't belong? Like maybe you walked into a room and you're like, ooh, whoop, wrong room. I don't belong here, right? And you walk back out. Or you walked into a room, you do belong, you're supposed to be there, but the people there kind of make you feel like you don't belong. If you're a guy, have you ever walked into the women's restroom on accident? Like that is a terrifying experience, isn't it? And you know that something's off. Like sometimes, and once you do that, like then you're double checking when you walk into the men's bathroom, right? You walk in, you don't see what you wanted, you walk back out, is this, okay, yeah, this is still right, I'm in, right? Have you ever done that? If you walk into the women's restroom, you know something's off, like like men's ba- bathrooms, they don't smell like that, all right? They smell much worse. And like there's no like cute little sitting area for, you know, waiting in line or whatever in the men's restroom. We don't have that, ladies. And you're walking in, you're like, where are the urinals, right? I, you start to freak out if there's no urinals. You, you, you don't belong in that place. Or maybe you, maybe you met up with some friends that you haven't spent time with in a long time and and as you talked with them and everybody's laughing and you're talking about life, you start to realize you just don't belong in that group anymore. Something's changed. They've changed. You've changed. And you don't, you don't belong. It's this feeling that you're, you're just too different. It's like a, there's a stream of water flowing all in the same direction and you're, you're a, a rock in the middle of it. And the stream is just flowing around you, or maybe you're swimming upstream, or maybe it's a, it's a machine that's calibrated to work in a certain way, and you just can't find where you fit in the machine. We have a team that just left for Peru today for a mission trip, so be praying for them. But when they get off the plane, many of them, for the first time, they will stand out immediately, Right? They'll stand out. But when they walk into the orphanage, they're not going to be able to do that like with any kind of secrecy or stealth uh, because they will be noticed because they don't belong there. They don't belong. My, my wife and I were missionaries to China before I became a lead pastor. We were married about four years at the time. My daughter, my oldest daughter, Kennedy, was three months old when we moved to China. We didn't know any Chinese, and this may surprise you, but at the time, we were like very, very, very white. <laughs> so I don't know if that, but we were super white, like so white. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Chinese people aren't white. And so China is this mono-ethnic culture, very different than our culture, where we, we talk about how we are a melting pot because we have so many different ethnicities. Germantown Hills is not a melting pot, as I look around. But we, we're a melting pot in our nation uh, because of so many different ethnicities. But uh, not so in China. In China, 93% of the 1.4 million people, I'm sorry, 1.4 billion, I was going to say that right the first time, 1.4 billion people, 93% of them are one ethnicity, the Han Chinese, and the, the remaining 7% like look a lot like the Han Chinese, okay? So they're like they're not white, 
All right, they don't look like us. They're like I do. And so when you throw a when you throw a, a family of three that are that are white people into this monoethnic culture full of people who look very very similar but different than those people, like like you stand out. You you stand out. Chinese people don't have blue and green eyes like my family does. They. They don't have blonde hair like Kennedy did at the time. They don't have curly hair like Aaron does. And I had hair too. But this is not a sermon about hair, so we're not going to go into that. But it's a part of culture shock. But when we got to China, we were immediately hit with this deep sense that we did not belong. We didn't belong here. This is not our home. Everyone stared at us, not because they were rude or anything, but because many of them had never seen up close and in person anyone who was non-Asian. Um, they'd never seen that before. And we didn't understand them. We didn't know how to get around, to get places. And there were more people on the street when we arrived. And as we lived in these two cities that we lived in, there, there were more people on the street than Aaron and I had ever seen in our lives at one place. And there wasn't a person who looked like us in sight. And we just had this deep sense that we, we didn't belong. I didn't belong. And yet I was called to be there. There was a reason God had me here. So I had this reaction to run home as fast as I could to something that's familiar and something that is safe, coupled with this resolve to keep my feet planted because I knew that I was called there, that God had a purpose for me there. And there was this tension, and we lived in that tension daily in China. Like when Aaron accidentally asked a cab driver to kiss her when she was trying to learn Chinese, we, we were reminded that we don't belong, and yet we're called, right? We don't belong, and yet we're called. When I started driving an electric scooter in the craziness of Chinese big city traffic, I was reminded that I don't belong, and yet I'm called. By the way, there is a system to, in China to drive and not die. I just wasn't privy to it. I was reminded I, I didn't belong, but, but, but I, was, I was called. When, when I hid in my hotel room and I was doing a training of 50 pastors out in a rural area and I, I had to hide in my hotel room because the Religious Affairs Bureau showed up, I was reminded that I didn't belong and yet I was called. When I was called by the uh, leader of the little seminary that I taught Greek at, uh, every week and, and told, hey, don't come today because the police are here. I was reminded that I, I didn't belong, but I was called. When we were walking on the street, because we walked everywhere, because uh, we didn't have a car or anything, we lived in these huge cities. When we were walking on the street to get somewhere, and Kennedy would stop and, and look at something like toddlers often do, and in like like 60 seconds, maybe two minutes, we would look up and we would have literally a hundred people crowded around us because that's, there's just so many people walking by at all times and they'd never seen, most of them had never seen a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little two-year-old, right? And so when that happened and we look up and like the crowd is pressing, I freaked out and I was reminded that I didn't belong, and yet I was called. 
And even though we lived there four years, made friends, learned the language, understood the culture pretty well, got to where we could get around and all of that, we never really belonged. And listen, if we had lived there 40 years, it would have been the same story. We would have never gotten to where we belong like a, like a Chinese person does because we aren't Chinese, because it was not our home. We didn't belong, but we were called. This letter that we're going to study over, this, over the summer, it's, by, it's written by Peter, like the Peter. The Apostle Peter, one of the 12 disciples, but not just one of the 12 disciples. He was one of Jesus' inner three, like the circle, inner circle, like Peter, James, and John. It's that Peter, okay? His name was Simon first, and then Jesus gave him the name Peter. So this is, the Peter means rock, and this is the Peter that Jesus is talking to in Matthew 16 when he goes, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I mean, this is the Peter who is like this, this uneducated fisherman, and we see him struggle with insecurities throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, and even after. I mean, even after Jesus ascends into heaven, sends the Holy Spirit, uh, Peter is involved in doing all these different miracles. He starts the church. Even after all of that, we, we see his, his peer, his brother, the Apostle Paul, having to rebuke him in the book of Galatians because of those same insecurities. This is that Peter, and yet with all of that, Peter is considered the leader of the apostles. He's got clout. He's got clout. This is, this is the same Peter that in Acts 4, he stands up in the presence of the Jewish council, and he begins to just preach the word with John, and they're preaching the truth of Jesus Christ, and he does it without, without any you know, worry for his own safety. He does it with boldness. And then it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when this is all happening, it says, Now when they, the Jewish council, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized, listen to this, they recognized that they had been with Jesus, Peter had been with Jesus. This is that Peter, so much so that, that they recognized it. He became known, the apostle Peter did, as the apostle of hope. It's like, man, if God can do something with Peter, I got some hope, right? There's some hope for me too. I'm kidding. That's not why he was called the apostle of hope. He was called the apostle of hope because he talked about the hope we have in Christ so much. He talked about how we have this future hope to be with Jesus, and yet we're called to be here right now. It's difficult. We have to sacrifice. We're going to suffer, and yet we're called to be here, and we have this hope in Christ. And so that's why he starts this letter, and he, he addresses it to those who are elect exiles. Everybody say elect exiles. Elect exiles of the dispersion. So these two ideas, elect and exile. These two ideas put together, these, these ideas are like two arms of an anchor that that is for the whole book of 1 Peter. They're like seeds, and as we study this book, we'll see them take root, and we'll see them begin to grow, and we'll see them blossom. Elect 
exiles. Together they form what it means to be set apart. And that's why we call this series, we're calling this series Set Apart. So, so let me just kind of unpack these two words a little bit. So this word elect just means chosen. Okay, that, that's what it means. Elect means chosen. And so sometimes readers of the Bible can, can read the word elect and it can make them feel like God is this like distant supercomputer just randomly and arbitrarily deciding who is elect and who is not elect, right? Like just kind of putting people in these two categories. Like that person's elect, that person's not elect. Those 34 million in that country, they're elect. Those 68 million over in this country are not elect. It can make us think of God as this dispassionate, disconnected deity who, who is just kind of randomly putting people into these two groups, elect and not elect. But that's not what this is saying. Peter is a Jew, and he's using a term that, that, is, that means a lot to his people. Chosen. Elect. The chosen people of God. It, it was an intimate term in the Bible to the Jewish people. This word chosen, it was an intimate term. It was a term that God used to talk about those that he loves. Think of it, think of it in the context of a marriage. A man chooses a wife. A wife chooses a husband, right? They are each other's chosen. If a husband says to a wife, you are my chosen, I have chosen you. You're my chosen. The wife doesn't respond by going, well, that's pretty unfair to all the other ladies. <laughs> I mean, what about all the other ladies that don't get chosen, right? No, because that statement's not about all the other ladies, is it? No, it's about her. What, what, what the husband is communicating is that he loves her. He's going, I chose you. You chose me. I, like, I'm not being forced into this situation. I love you. You are my chosen. So elect, it just means chosen, and it's a term of endearment. It took, it took Peter, the apostle Peter, a while to come to grips with the idea that Gentiles, non-Jewish people like you and me, were going to be included in the elect, in the chosen people of God. So he's saying here that as Christ followers, we are now chosen. We are now a part of the chosen people of God. We are his. We are destined for eternity with him. And this is where the title of our series comes in, Set Apart, Elect, Chosen. It means we're set apart for an eternity with God. We're set apart for heaven instead of hell, for life instead of death. It's talking about our future Hope, like we, we were on a, on a course towards destruction. No hope, no life, no anything. But because of the message of God in Christ and the Holy Spirit enlightening our hearts to the truth of the gospel, we were headed towards death, headed towards no hope, and now God has changed our lives and we are headed in a different direction. Now we are now set apart, not for hell, but for heaven. We are set apart for heaven. We're different. Our identity, our very identity has been changed. Our citizenship has been changed. We were citizens of this world, but now we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of heaven. Now we don't belong here. 
We're set apart. And that switch, it happened right when our hearts were enlightened to the truth of the gospel. That switch, it happened right then in a moment when we finally completely and totally gave our lives over to Jesus. It happened right then. All of a sudden, we were different when we put our hope in Jesus as our Lord. Not just as Savior, but Lord, like leader, boss. From that moment on, our our hearts changed Direction. So think about a huge crowd of people. I'm thinking about my experience in China. We would at some time, have you ever been in a traffic jam with cars? Have you ever been in a traffic jam? How many of you won't raise your hand no matter what I say in church? Okay, yeah, gotcha. All right, it's always one. Um, so we were in people jams in China. So we would go try to go across like a bridge, like a walking bridge across a a street, and sometimes it would just stop, and there was like a lot of people on the bridge, and you're wondering if it's going to hold and stuff. And there's like a lot of people, and you're just like this. What's going on? Well, it's a people jam. We can't move anywhere. So think about this huge crowd all moving in one direction, just mechanically with their head down. Uh, nobody's looking around. Everybody's just kind of moving along. And this is life. Everybody is moving along. Wide is the path um, and the gate that leads to destruction. Everybody's just kind of moving along this way. But then imagine that one person kind of looks up and they stop and the crowd continues to move right the crowd kind of bumps into them and jostles them but they they look up and they stay there in like a stream the crowd begins to kind of go around them and bump them as they're going around and then that person not just doesn't just stay still and look forward but they turn and they begin to try to move against the crowd and they're fighting and the crowd is coming against them and they're having to push out of the way and move forward and it's not diff- it's not easy at all it's difficult they're swimming upstream against this huge crowd of people. If, if you're a Christ follower, that's what's happened to you. You were in a crowd, head down, moving towards destruction, and God enlightened your heart to the truth of the gospel, and now you're fighting against the crowd. You're fighting upstream. You no longer belong. This is not your home. You are not headed in the same direction as everyone else is and as you once were, you're set apart. This is how it's supposed to be. This is a natural byproduct of giving your life over to Jesus. This is what Jesus meant when he, when he said that, that we're going to know who's his and who isn't, who's set apart and who's not by their fruit. If you have given your life over to Jesus Christ, your life will look different than those who have not given their lives over to Jesus Christ. Notice I didn't say should. That's true. It should look different. But this isn't a should kind of a thing. This is a certainty. If you have given your life to Jesus, your life will look different than everyone else's. You will not be moving with the crowd. You will change. And that change will happen immediately and over time. In other words, 
You'll turn, you'll begin to turn immediately. There'll be a sense that you don't belong here anymore and you'll go in a different direction. But also, over time, over the course of your life, you'll change even more and become even more like Jesus as you spend time with him, study his word, submit yourself to, to an authentic group, a group of authentic believers in Christ, a church, and you serve him. You'll become closer to him and more like him. So it happens immediately and over time. This, this is how it's supposed to be. Listen, Listen, some of you are in a constant state of frustration because you have not given in completely to this truth or to this process. You've, you've given your life to Christ or at least started to, but you're still trying to fit in. You're still trying to fit in here and you feel that tension of not belonging anymore and your answer to that tension, that angst, is to try to change yourself in order to belong more here so that you do belong. You're, you're trying to become more like the world. That's, that's your answer. Listen to me clearly, beloved. You are not supposed to fit in. You're supposed to be set apart. You're not supposed to belong here. You're supposed to be set apart. Your kids aren't supposed to look like every kid that they go to school with and do everything that every kid they go to school with does. They're supposed to be set apart. Your schedule is not supposed to look like everybody else's schedule. You're supposed to be set apart. Your priorities, where you spend your time and your money, they're not supposed to fit in with the world's priorities. They're not supposed to fit in with the crowd priorities because what you're supposed to be what set apart apart. elect chosen people are supposed to recognize that like a crowd with everybody going forward and you going the opposite way people are supposed to recognize that like they did with the apostles John and Peter in Acts 4 they're supposed to go whoa something's different about them they've been with Jesus They're supposed to recognize that you've been with Jesus. Peter, he calls you elect, chosen, set apart. That's the first part of what it means to be set apart. You're chosen. You don't belong. This is not your home. It's talking about your future hope. You're set apart for heaven. But he doesn't just call you elect. He calls you elect exiles. So let's take a moment and talk about this idea of being an exile. He says, exiles of the dispersion. If you were a Jewish reader reading this letter, you would immediately think about the Old Testament scriptures and your history as a Jewish person. That's where your mind uh, would go. And so if you, if you read the Old Testament, you see that the chosen people of God, the elect, that they began over time to presume upon the grace and love of Jesus, or the grace and love of God uh, shown in how he had chosen them to be a people set apart. And so, in other words, they, they started to go, well, I'm chosen so I can kind of do whatever I want. As long, you know, God's already chosen me so I can act how I want. They, they basically divorced their identity as the chosen people of God with their relationship with God. They didn't have a relationship with him, and yet they thought they would still be chosen. But now let me pause here a second and just say that we often do the same thing. Um, we, we do whatever it is we think we need to do to be saved and be counted as chosen, elect, and then we live our lives however we want, right? 
And we go, well, because of that, because I was chosen, because I'm elect, because I raised my hand, because I got baptized, because I said a prayer, whatever it is your thing. Because I did that, then, then now I just kind of live however I want. There's nobody who can take me out of the hand of God. Right? We do this same thing. We're wearing a T-shirt that reads chosen across the chest. All the while, the heart that beats in that chest has no relationship with God whatsoever. So we do the same thing. But anyway, the people of Israel were presuming upon the love and the grace of God. And because of that, God sent other nations to come in and to conquer them. And the Bible and the prophetic books, Habakkuk is one of them, teaches us that it was God who sent these people, these other nations. And so God sent them and they came in and they conquered Israel, the Israelites at different waves. And they carried them away to different countries. The Israelites were exiled. Okay, so you can read uh, that in First and Second Kings if you want to study it more. But they were dispersed. And from that day forward, for about 700 years, all the way up to the, write, the writing of this letter, First Peter, um, they had been dispersed. They didn't have their own nation. They didn't have a home, the Jewish people. And so they continued to be exiles. Um, and that was true all the way to May 14th, 1948, right, when the modern nation of Israel was established again. And so they were exiled for about 2,600 years, exiled and occupied. And then Jewish believers in Jesus also were persecuted. Just before this letter was written in Jerusalem, the, the Jewish believers in Jesus were persecuted and they were kicked out. They had to run away because of persecution. So they were dispersed again. And so that's why Peter names those cities at the beginning of this letter. And so if you're a Jewish believer in Jesus reading this at this time, you're having a hard time reconciling this phrase that Peter uses, elect exiles. It would seem like it's a contradictory phrase, like it's an oxymoron. Like how can I both be elect and be an exile? How can I be chosen by God and exiled by him at the same time? But as we study this letter, you'll see that what Peter's talking about is an exile of a different Sort. So when, he, when he's talking about this, he's talking about their identity and our identity as elect exiles. It has nothing to do with Israel's sin or disobedience or punishment or anything like that. Um, it, he's saying this is the identity of every follower of Jesus Christ. We are all elect exiles. Chosen, changed this is no longer our home. We don't belong. And yet we remain here, elect exiles. Think about it this way. Have you ever wondered why Jesus doesn't, why God doesn't just bring us home as soon as we give our lives to him? Like why doesn't he just take us to heaven? When we put our faith in him, we just go straight to heaven. What's the point? Why do we have to stay here and suffer and go through trials and try to swim upstream and try to go against the crowd? Like why, why are we here suffering in a fallen world? Listen, beloved, that's the other arm of the anchor uh, that we're talking about. That's the other side of being set apart. You and I 
are not just set apart in that we're chosen and we're elect and we're cho- we, this is not our home. We're chosen for heaven with Jesus. We're set apart not only in that sense, but also in that we are purposefully and intentionally exiled, sent by a sovereign God. We don't belong. If you're a Christ follower, you can feel that. You come against it all the time. Your very existence is one of holy discontentment, right? Holy discontentment. There's this angst. There's this rub. There's this difficulty, this stirring, and maybe even this sorrow in the deepest part of who you are, the core of who you are. We don't belong, and yet we're called to be here. You don't belong, and yet you are called to be here, set apart for a purpose. There should be this divine tension in you. Elect but exile, chosen for a future in heaven but called to remain here. You should feel pulled in different directions. You know at the deepest part of you that you don't belong. You have this longing, this yearning to go to heaven to be with Jesus. Like, oh God, just take me. Just return quick. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, because I just want to be with you in heaven. I belong there. My citizenship is not here because Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven we await a Savior. And so there's this yearning to go and be with Jesus. But there's also this calling, this yearning to stay here and continue to fulfill our purpose, to do something, to shine like Jesus would have you shine, to live like Jesus would have you live, to sacrifice yourself, your comfort, your convenience, your money, your time, your your stuff, your, your, your luxury, your recreation, maybe even your life for the cause of Jesus Christ in this world, for the sake of this World and those who don't know Christ like you do. Elect, but exiled. In the world, but not of the world. Future hope and present reality. Future hope and pleasant, present reality. There's this divine tension. You're set apart, elect exiles. And it's, it's okay to wrestle with that. And it may cause you to weep and and. and to, to be sad and it's sorrowful as you suffer in this world, knowing that there will be no suffering in the next. The Apostle Paul wrestled with this um, himself. He, he writes about it in Philippians 1, starting in verse 21. I'll read it to you quickly. He says this, the Apostle Paul, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account convinced of this I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith he's living in this tension isn't he 
He's going like, I'd rather just go and be with Jesus, but I know staying here is better for you and better for the church. He's living in this tension, wrestling through this tension of an elect exile, future hope, but present reality. I'd rather be with Jesus, but I know I'm called here. It's better for you if I stay. It's better for the church. It's better for those who don't know Christ if I stay. I don't belong. But I'm going to stay. I'm called. I don't belong, and yet I'm called. So this whole thing may cause you to ask questions of God and, and wonder why he hasn't taken you home yet. But it should also give you some resolve, some, some assurance that you have a purpose for your life, that you're here for a reason, that God has you here on purpose. Maybe that's why the Apostle Peter wrote what he did in verse 2 of this book right at the beginning. He called us elect exiles. He points out this divine tension, chosen for a different world and yet called to be in this one. And then he says this in verse 2. He says, all of this is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. And for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. In other words, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. It's according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. But, but it's not just his plan. He goes, he made a way to, to make his plan work. Like so, so the planning and the execution of that plan, it's all his. It's all his, the what and the how. The how is the sanctification of the Spirit, he said. The Holy Spirit is going to make you more and more like Jesus as you walk with him and draw near to him. He's going to make you more like Jesus, and he's going to make you to where you can be set apart, elect exiles like you're supposed to be, so that you can live in this tension in a way that honors God the Father. And then... He says it's all for Jesus. It's all because of his sacrifice on the cross. So, have you ever felt like you don't belong? Like that moment you walk into the women's bathroom, if you're a man. Have you ever felt like you don't belong? If you're a Christ follower, that's because you don't. You don't belong. You're not supposed to be here forever. You, your identity is found in a future hope with Jesus Christ. You're, you're set apart, set apart in that you are elect and chosen to be with Jesus in heaven, but also set apart in that you are called to stay here, chosen by God for a different world and yet called to live in this one. You see, the burden of every Christ follower is to manage this tension, to live in this tension between future hope and present reality. Between the fact that, that we're drawn there but called here. Set apart. And the rest of this book, 1 Peter, the rest of this letter, talks about how we do this. How do we live in this tension of being elect exiles? And I'm excited to get into it with you this summer. I hope you'll be a part of it as we go through it verse by verse. Let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy, for your word that speaks to us. God, I ask that now that whatever um, was said in this sermon that's of me and not of you would quickly be forgotten and fall to the wayside, but whatever's of you would be remembered, would haunt us this week, and would like seeds find good soil in the hearts of many, take root and begin to grow and bear fruit. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to us through your word. God, I pray for us, those who are Christ followers in this room, let us live this tension out, this identity out as elect exiles, those who are chosen for a different world and yet called to serve and to live and to be a light in this one. I pray, God, for for all of us who would call ourselves Christians, I pray for a moment here, Holy Spirit, where we would think, man, has my life changed? Am I different than the crowd? Am I fighting upstream? Am I, am I different? Or am I just trying to fit in? I pray that we would be convicted and led by your Holy Spirit to live out this truth of being set apart in the world, but not of it. And God, I pray for those in this room who have yet to give their lives over to you. There has not been a change They're still moving with the crowd, still moving in the same direction, head down, mechanically walking towards a cliff. Lord, I pray that today, in this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would overcome any doubts, any obstacles, any questions, that you would overcome pride and rebellion, self-centeredness, this desire to be liked and to fit in. Lord, I pray that you would overcome all of that in this moment and that you would enlighten their hearts to the truth of the gospel and that they would be like that person in the crowd right now would be their moment where they make a change, where they stop, they lift their head, they look around, and they turn. I pray that this is that moment for them. As we continue in an attitude of prayer, if that's you and you've never given your life to Christ, if you're listening online or you're here in person, but you've never really made that change, you've never really been set apart, you've never really felt that tension of not belonging because your whole life is just about being here. It's just about earth. It's just about life on this, in this earth. It's just about about fitting in. If if you've, you've never really been changed, then all you have to do is just ask God to do it. It's nothing you can do. It's no no act you can take. Just ask him, Lord, help me be changed. I want right now I'm moving towards a cliff. I'm I'm walking with the crowd. I want to fit in. But Lord, uh, in the future, from this day forward, I want to be set apart. Set me apart. Choose me, God. Make me a part of your chosen people. Just ask God to transform you. And then as you leave this place and you start to feel that that tension, that angst that you don't belong and yet you're called. Just live there, stay there. Don't try to solve it. Let it lead you to live out your purpose on this earth as a follower of Jesus Christ. So if that's you, I want to give you just this moment of a kind of a decision moment. Just make that decision in your heart and in your mind. When you leave, make sure you tell whoever you came with talk with somebody. We'll have prayer workers at the side if you want to give your life to Christ today. You want to make that decision. We've got some stuff we'd love to hand to you and I've decided pack it to help you take your next steps. We'd love to do that. You can do that during our song, uh, closing song or after service. Go and talk to one of those prayer workers. Lord, I pray for those who would be called 
into making a decision that would be drawn by your spirit to make a decision today for you to change, to be transformed. I pray, God, that they would do that and that seed would stay in their hearts. And I pray for protection around the truth that we've deposited. I pray, God, that you would help them to grow even today. Lord, I pray that you would help them to take a step of obedience, to go and talk to somebody, to go get prayer, to go get an I've decided packet, Lord, that this would be a real transformation in their lives and that they would then begin to live out this tension, this identity as a people chosen and set apart to live here, but someday be in heaven with you. We love you, Jesus. We give all this into your hands and we trust you with it. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with us? Here's my prayer for you today. If you need prayer, want prayer for anything, go get it at the sides during our song or afterwards. Let's be a people who lean on one another and get prayer for anything and everything like the Bible teaches us. But here's my prayer for you today. May you rest in the fact that God has chosen you and this is not your home. May you live like you're cold, like God has a purpose for you to stay here a little while longer. And as you live in this tension as elect exiles, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. God bless you. Thanks for coming for our Set Apart series kickoff today. Make sure you come next week and the week after as we go verse by verse. Talk this over with your life group. If you're not in a life group yet, make sure you get plugged into one. You haven't yet gotten plugged into Great Oaks if you're not in a life group. Just stop at Connection Central on your way out. It's a painless process. We'll find one for you uh, very quickly. And my challenge to you is, as it always is, be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples Jesus. Uh, makes and disciples other Jesus followers. So if you've been helped to take your next step towards God, go out and help others do the same. God bless you. We'll see you next week for week two and set apart.